was talking with some of my clients about this yesterday, about the discipline of writing and like training yourself to write every day. So an exercise I gave them was just look at something random in your house and challenge yourself. What the next thing that I lay my eyes on, I'm going to create a sales message out of that thing. And I gave them some really hilarious examples. I just did a couple examples on the spot. And I said, the thing is, that is the consistency of the discipline that then allows you to have the creative freedom because you train yourself just in making yourself do that every day. You actually unlock a lot more freedom and creativity in your writing. So it's really ironic, but it's like that discipline that you have to hone the craft is actually what allows you to be more spontaneous and creative with your messages. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you with me today, as always. And I've got a great episode for you today. Today, one of my most favorite people on earth is with me. Anna Powers is here today. And I think in the episode, I mention that, I think I mentioned that I couldn't believe she hadn't been on the show before, but actually, Anna has been on the show before a long time ago. And I'm going to put the link to that episode in the show notes. She's a former student of mine and she was in my Selling Through Voice show, so talented, so giving. And I am going to tell you, we had an amazing conversation. I didn't want it to end. In fact, I told her, I said, okay, you're going to have to be a series regular because we had such a rich conversation about real life things in business and not just in running a business. I think we have to deal with a lot of real life things in companies too that are draining, that are difficult. A lot of things that people don't want to talk about or choose not to talk about. And we're hitting some of those in this episode. I know she is so full of wisdom. I know you're really going to love this conversation. Let me tell you about her. She is a conversion copywriter and online business mentor who helps her clients get paid to write copy through her Clickworthy copywriting certification. She's a former civil litigator, and Anna now uses her background of analysis and strategy to support seven- and eight-figure business owners with their messaging and to train and certify copywriters so they can build thriving online businesses. If you are interested in any capacity in her copywriting certification program or her work as a business mentor. I can't recommend her enough. And I'm going to put some links in the show notes for you to follow up with some of the things that we talk about. You are going to get so much value out of this conversation. Get a pen, get a piece of paper, and let's head over to the show. 
Anna, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. I am so excited to be here, Tracy. Well, you know, the big shocker for me is I can't believe I've known you this long and you are just now coming on the show. I don't know how that happened, but um, I, I can't wait. I think I thought you had maybe been on the show because you did my event. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. About a year ago when I did the Selling Through Voice show. I was actually probably two years ago, but I can't wait to dive in and talk to you and learn all the things that you're up to. And and we, Anna and I had a conversation before we started today, and we're really going to touch on some powerfully important things. Maybe not always the easiest conversations, but I think the very important conversations to have right now. But let's start at the beginning. Anna, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, hey, I am Anna Powers, and I train and certify conversion copywriters. So I had a background as an attorney, still hold two two law licenses or licenses to practice in two states, but I love writing. And I found copywriting and started offering copywriting services on the side while I was still practicing law full-time and then eventually transitioned into being a copywriter. And then in the spring of 2021, when I saw the growing demand for high converting copywriters and realized that there were a lot more people who needed that skill than people who were really qualified to offer it, I built out a certification. So that's primarily what I'm doing now is training other people in the skill so that they can offer their writing services and help their clients get results. Okay, great. I love that. And obviously you Anna does amazing work and the people, I haven't worked obviously with everybody that you've certified because that's probably into the hundreds now, if I had to guess. Yeah, we're. I think we're close to 200 at this point. Wow, that's amazing. But I have worked with some of her writers, her certified writers have done some of my copywriting. It really is a skill. That's one of the things that I gleaned from what you just said. It's, it's truly a skill and so let me give you a little rubber band ball nugget here to, to dissect <laughs> for us, <laughs> to, to tear that apart for us. But it's a skill that I wonder, well, one, I know I don't have it. I'm very clear on knowing that that is not a gift of mine. But do you find that people don't understand the value of having that skill or maybe they, they maybe don't think it? Maybe there's more to it than they realize. I don't really know what the exact question is, but is that what you see happen in the marketplace? So it's interesting. A lot of people, well, to start off with, especially because I have the background in law, right? People confuse copywriting, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, which is what I teach, which my definition of that is how to write words that sell. People oftentimes confuse that with copyrighting, <laughs> R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, which wow. is the legal protection of your intellectual property. So let's say you have a book that you wrote, then you want it to be copyright protected with an R-I-G-H-T. But what I'm training people to do is writing words that sell. So I think when people stop and think about the definition, they pretty quickly realize, wow, this is a skill that we don't just need for business, but we use it in life because you're always using words. Even if you don't have a business, you're using words to sell ideas, right? Like if you're a parent, 
and your kid wants to do something dangerous, like you're using your words to explain to them why that thing is not going to be beneficial for them and why this thing that you want them to do will benefit them. Like you need to take a bath. Like Why? You know, you're going to have to give them some words to sell them on that concept. Um, You know, you're talking with your spouse about which restaurant and you can kind of tell like they kind of want this one and you kind of want that one. So I think that once people start to give themselves a space to think about it, they see the value, but it's a timeless skill. And I, I love that about it because it's based on human psychology. And so it's one of those things that as you learn it and understand what motivates people, you can go deeper and deeper into that skill and you can elevate your efficacy with that skill. But it's not the sexiest skill, right? Because there are other skills. If you're running a business, like there are a lot of other skills that look glossier, right? So like, you know, chat bots or Facebook ads, you know, things that are valuable, But the problem with some of those things is that they're going to change quickly. They're going to change often. So if you are going to put your time and energy into mastery of a skill, my vote is always going to be for a more timeless skill, like what you help people with, the voice. You know, humans have had voices for millennia and that's not going to change. Or what I help people with, the communication, the persuasive communication, based on how you put your words together to show people the value of an idea or an offer or a service. Which, by the way, can I just say, you sound fabulous. Thank you. I will take that as a high compliment. (laughs) I mean, it's like, does Anna not sound like liquid gold? I mean, I'm just sitting here going, you sound so good. I well, am listening thanks, to you though, I promise. <laughs> it's it's thanks to you. And it's so funny, I'm sure, um, especially the people that have been listening to your show for a while will appreciate when I first met Tracy, when I first met you, you were a guest expert in a mastermind that I was a part of. And I was shaking in my boots. We all had to say like, I don't know, 45 seconds, you know, and you know, I just, I wanted you to like me. I wanted you to think I was smart. (laughs) And ironically, like that desire for, I want her to like me. I want her to think I'm smart. It blocked the voice. You helped me, you helped me, um, like uncover that and start to unwrap those layers of the, those masks that, you know, we're so like, like coming from a really good place, like pick me, I want you to like me, yeah. you know, but, but we're really actually working against me. So I'm so grateful for all the work yeah. that we did on that. Yeah. Well, it was, so, I enjoyed every minute of it, but you, I didn't mean to derail, but <laughs> I was literally sitting here going, Oh my God, she sounds amazing. So, so back to what you were talking about, it really is influence and persuasion in many, many ways. Yeah. Not manipulation. And they're very, very, they they dance very closely together, don't they, Anna? They do. And um, there's a gal online. I always like to, you know, credit people when I've heard things from them. So uh, Julie, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Chanel or Chanel. She started talking a lot a couple of years ago about the difference between marketing and manipulation. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing as professional copywriters, what I'm training our clients to do 
it is to be a level world class marketers but i talk with our clients really openly about there's a difference and there's a line that you cross over where you're no longer marketing and you're manipulating so the way i see it marketing is about if you have an offer that can genuinely help someone then it's your responsibility to present it in a way where people are most likely to be able to understand how it can help them. And that's marketing. When you cross that line to try to trick or deceive or dupe someone into doing something they don't really want to do, then we're manipulating. And the skills that I teach, they absolutely can be used for manipulation. And so that's a very open conversation that I have with everyone that we train Basically, you know, just telling them like, you're going to learn some really powerful tools and you could use them to manipulate and deceive and trick people. And I want you to promise me and to promise yourself that you're not going to use them for that. You know, and I can't control what people do with this skill once they have it, but I can do my best to weed out the people that want to get it for manipulation by talking really openly about like, that's not what we do here. You know, I'm always encouraging our writers only write for people that you actually believe in their services and their products and their offers that you actually, you're actually excited about the work that they're doing and you think it's really going to help people. So it's the difference between just showing someone that another option exists that might actually be more helpful to them than the thing that they've been doing versus like trying to convince them that they have to do this thing because otherwise something really terrible will happen in their life. So it's a fine line. And it's something that, you know, I think about a lot and, and frankly, Tracy has probably over the years, you know, cost me a ton of sales, right? Because I, I won't manipulate. Yeah. Um, But I was actually talking with my husband about this last night um, cause I had a, I had a, obviously I won't give details, but I had a client, you know, kind of on the fence about, about something. And I was like, man, I know most business owners would just NLP her into a yes for this offer. And I just refuse to do it. And he's like, yeah, you don't want money that way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, and, it, and it's, and in some ways it's kind of like, man, it's a shame because I know like if that person were to come into our offer, I would actually genuinely help her. Right. And she's probably going to end up buying something from someone who is tricking her. Right. Um, and I have to live with myself at night, right? Like yep. I need to be able to feel good when I put my head on the pillow. I need to be able to believe that I'm setting a good example for my daughter in how I conduct business. So I just, I just won't do it even if it does cost sales. Well, and you and I are so aligned in that when I, and we were having a conversation before we started and we won't go down this route about being taken advantage of, mm-hmm. but when I look at where I was taken advantage of last year, I I can, and I, and I don't know, you may have something to say about this, but I can reflect back and it was two different times, two different people. One of them, I can reflect back and I can go, you know what? I heard in her voice, this was a bad deal, 
but I bought into the promise of her words. Mm. And so I think this was a situation exactly like what you're talking about. And then the other scenario that just went south was because I was not in alignment with tactics just like that. I didn't see it on the front end, but then I was asked to basically bait and switch. Mm. And it was the same thing. At the end of the day, I have to live with my choices and my level of integrity. And that's just not a place I'm going to go. But I think it, and I think the same can be true for voice. I could teach people how to manipulate with their voice. Some of yeah. these key principles that, that trigger feelings, it could easily be the same story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I have so much to say about this topic, but you know, like events, for example, I mean, I've run events, I've been to events and and it's, it's super clear when you get to certain events that they are doing certain physical things in the room for purposes of manipulation. Oh, wow. Like wearing you out, you know, keeping you there for 13 hours to kind of physically wear you down to where you're in a weaker mental state to where, you know, you, you're more susceptible to not fail. I mean, I was... I was a participant in an event where there were literally, Tracy, I kid you not, and I obviously won't say which one, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of like dancing, right? So they play like the loud music, yeah. have people up on stage, like dance, dance. And um, at one point there were dancing sheep on what? the screen. And I was like, at this point, these organizers are just mocking these participants. Yeah. Right. They they literally have dancing sheep on the screen. I mean, they're probably getting a huge, a huge guffaw out yeah. of it in the back room. You know, haha, we train them how to do this. And, you know, they're just all sheep. Yeah. Right. And these people, you know, because this event costs thousands of dollars, and I think because this person had a big name, you know, they're trained to feel like there's something wrong with them if they go, wait a second, like I am a 40 something year old person and I don't necessarily want to, I mean, I was, I was at an event and I was pregnant, like pretty early on pregnant and, you know, they're dancing and jumping. And the, one of the workers at the event was like, jump, you know? And I was like, I'm pregnant. And it's like, jump anyway. And I'm like, excuse me. Absolutely. You know, I, I had my daughter a month before I turned 43. Like I was so grateful that I could be pregnant. I was not about to just randomly jump up and down when my doctor had told me don't jump, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, because, because some volunteer in a hoodie told me to, yeah. Um, and that sounded very judgmental over volunteers and hoodies. I don't have anything against <laughs> volunteers or hoodies, but you know, that particular volunteer in that particular hoodie, you know, I did have something against. Well, I think it's, and I, I didn't read it that way at all. I think it's coming from what we were talking about earlier around. We're just copying things. Mm-hmm. We're just, let me do this, do this. Well, why? A lot of times we can't even justify why. We're just doing it. And it's that sheep mentality. And it's, don't even get me started on that. We'll we'll pivot. We'll pivot <laughs> right here because talk to us about mom. You're a mom. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's the best thing ever. It is the best thing ever. I always, I always thought that I wanted to get married and have kids. I did always think that I would be older, but I was thinking older, like 32, 33. So when I got to be, you know, I got married at 41 and obviously like, I didn't know if it would be possible or not. Um, but we wanted to try and it, she has just been the biggest, biggest blessing, biggest blessing. I just think it's fascinating. It is wild to me that like, you're looking down at your big belly and then the next day there is like another human human. It's very mind bending. Yeah. It's mind bending. And now she's seven months old now. And, um, you know, and I, and I nursed her and, and I'll be looking down and I'm just like, it's just so wild. Like she is her own person. She has her own thoughts. I'll look at her. I'm like, I wonder, sometimes she'll be falling asleep and she'll start just like laughing, mm-hmm. you know, like she's dreaming and she's laughing. I'm like, what? I wonder what she's dreaming. And of course she can't really, she makes noises and babbles, but she can't like communicate with right. words. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I'm like, I'm really, of course I'm savoring every stage. And I'm also looking forward to that time when she can tell us like, Oh, I had this dream about this or that. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's just so precious to look down. Like, Oh, I'm glad she's having, she must be having a great dream, you know? Yeah. But, um, it's just been the biggest blessing and it's been, um, you know, we've kind of found our routine and our rhythm now, but I will say in the beginning, uh, I thought this is so much harder than I ever imagined and why does nobody talk about this and how do and and I also thought I feel like I'm a pretty like fairly put together person who kind of has you know certain elements of my life figured out and I am flailing how do these people who I look look around I'm like it doesn't seem like they have very much figured out but they have four kids and they manage to keep them all alive like how are they Um, but I will say I did have an emergency C-section. I had an induction because she, um, she's like off the charts in weight and top of the charts in height. So she was a big baby. And just with my age, they said, you know, you need to be induced at 39 weeks. She didn't take well to the induction. So we had that, you know, unexpected C-section. Yeah. And that was, that was a little traumatic, well, very traumatic. Um, and then there were issues with the hospital, like the power was, off for a while the day after she was born and then it only came back like part way so you know they were saying things like you can either have the power to lift the head of your bed up to nurse or you can have the anti-blood clotting machine on your legs which one would you like you know like well they both sound really really important (laughs) so I really don't want to have to choose it was not it was not a pleasant hospital experience um Yeah, to the level that, you know, I had to talk about, I'm a lawyer, which, you know, is always my last resort, but I'm not afraid to use that card when I need to. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, that threw me for a loop. You know, you're on a lot of drugs with the Mm -hmm. C-section, at least I was. And I also, I went, I didn't have any swelling during the pregnancy, but then when I came out of the hospital, I weighed almost the same, or maybe even a little yeah. bit more than when I had her, which shocked me, which nobody had prepared me for. Mm. So I had all this edema, I think from the medications and took several weeks to go down. And the nurse had told me, Oh, it'd be gone in two days. So then I'm panicking, like what? Like, I, you know, I can't, 
like my legs are so swollen. We're, it's funny, my husband and I were looking at like her baby, baby pictures last night and we're scrolling through our phone and I saw like a picture of my leg, you know, propped up and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot my leg, you know, was a tree trunk. I mean, I've never swollen like that. So that really, you know, that was kind of my introduction to motherhood and it, it really threw me, threw me for a loop and I feel so blessed that I have a, a really supportive husband who, you know, works for a supportive company that gave him some paternity leave. So for those first two weeks, really, he could be there, you know, he was able to take leave those first couple weeks and and really be there and help me with the C-section, like bring her to me to nurse. And I mean, I could go on and on, but <laughs> it was, it was a lot to add on to running a business for sure. Yeah. It, I remember, I mean, I think it was probably 10 years before I could remember, did I get my underwear on before I left the house? I mean, it was so, so intense. And of course, by the time mine was five months old, I was a single mother. Mm. So I, I can't... All, to all single oh, yeah. mothers, single fathers, because that is the thing I kept saying, like, how does anyone do this by themselves? I mean, my husband took a work trip a couple weeks ago and even that, I mean, we have a nanny who comes from nine to five, Monday through Friday. I mean, I do, I do get to, I work from home. So I get to see her, I go in and breastfeed her, you know, a couple of times while the nanny's here, but like we have support. And even that week, the nanny would leave at five or no, I had the nanny stay till seven that week. And then I had either my mom or my dad come <laughs> from seven fifteen to like 10, because it's just. I, I just needed that support. You know, how yeah. do you take a shower? I don't want her to like freak out while I'm in the shower, you know, and yeah. I feel like it sound really soft and, you know, uh, incapable, but I mean, that's the honest truth of it. Like I needed that support to be able to, you know, I guess you do what you have to, you know, when you're in certain scenarios, like you figure it out, but man, for any parents, get as, get yourself as much support as you can. Yes. It's only well, going to happen. I, there's a couple of things I want to say around this. I felt the same way. I felt like my whole world, I was close to 40 when I had my son, very similar story. And it is all these things. We see the really cool, oh, we have the shower and we do all this and all of it. But I don't know that we're, how can you ever be fully prepared for what? And it's amazing. This is not, I'm not criticizing or, or griping in any way, but it is so full on. Yeah. Like you, you think you have nine months to prepare. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't. I mean, it's like snap and go, snap and go. And I don't remember running a business at that time. I think I was still teaching at the university, which means I was teaching, you know, I was going to the office five hours a week. Okay, mm -hmm. nothing major, not like at all, like what I do now. Mm -hmm. I can't even fathom doing that and running a business. How did you do that? So um, I consider it such a huge blessing that I had made that transition. So I, I started my company in 2015, but I didn't fully transition to full-time running my business instead, you know, and left my law practice in 20, the spring of 2018. So um, Sarah was born in March of 2023. So, you know, I had had a, a couple of years to get my feet underneath me. And thankfully, 
we use currently, we still do this. We use a launch model. So we open our program just once or twice a year. But when we open, I mean, it's a, it's a full on, you know, we're running Facebook ads to get clients in. We have affiliates who are promoting the program. Of course, I have an email list that I nurture year round that I've had for for years that we've been you know building and, and hopefully adding value to. That's our intention. And so I really feel like, you know, because of the the seeds that I had planted for the years prior to getting pregnant, I was able to reap that sweet season of okay, I was able to bring in the money to sustain the business. We launched in January and she was born in March, right? So okay. I was able to bring in our, our cart open was, our cart was open from January 30th to February 2nd. So we brought in a big chunk of revenue about a month before she was born. And really the biggest piece of work that I did while I was pregnant was preparing for that launch, preparing to execute that. And also preparing for the program itself to be able to be delivered by my team. So all of the modules are, you know, me, I've created them, I teach them. But in previous iterations of the launch, you know, we have eight to 10 live support calls during the program. Previous iterations, I would teach every single one of those myself. And I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person. I like interacting with my clients. I like getting to know them. But I realized like, I didn't even know I was going to have a C-section, right? But I realized I can't, you know, have a baby. I can't. Thankfully, I had a mentor actually, because Tracy, I think I would have said, oh, that's fine. Like, you know, I'll have the baby and it's only an hour a week. Like I can pop on video and do that call. That's insane. You know, when that's you have insane. a little, like you're on drugs, you know, yeah. heavy duty pain meds, like you can't even really, like after a C-section, if you cough without holding, oh, yeah. you can rip your stitches. You just can't yeah. like just... You just can't present like you like you used to. And I even think people who haven't had C-sections, you know, my friends who've had natural births, some of them were able to kind of be up and about, you know, within a week, like they're not back to normal, but physically like kind of a closer to normal, but it is not like that with a C-section. So praise no. God, literally, you know, I had a mentor who is a mom. I was like, you're, you're not going to be able to lead calls. So that was a big part of the work was, you know, training um, some of my past students to come in and be able to support our community in our, we don't use Facebook, but we use something similar called Circle to support them in that group. I had the foresight, I was delivering the program. um, So I got pregnant in June of 2022 and we had a launch in August. So that I did lead completely myself, but I was very conscious the next time we do this, I'm going to have a little baby. So everything that I did, I did it, I set it up so that someone else could deliver it. So like all the PowerPoints, you know, I, I did normally, I would just come on and be like, ask me whatever you want to ask me. But I was like, that's not going to work for someone else to deliver. I need to have a structure to this, you know? So I think it's about the preparation, right? And just, I was talking with my husband about this too. We had people giving us advice to not create a nursery for her because, you know, a lot of times people will leave the baby in the bassinet in the bedroom, in the master bedroom for Mm -hmm. up to a year. And we don't, you know, we have a, my husband also works from home. So we have a three bedroom house. So we really have the master, we have his office and my office, right? Is, Is how the bedrooms are allocated. But I thought about it and I was like, you know what? We don't use our formal dining room much. 
I think we should turn the dining room into my office and make my office her nursery. And we had so many people, Tracy, telling us, no, 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 you won't need it. But I was just like, I think we might need it. And let me tell you, that little girl was in her nursery starting at six weeks. And the amount of stress that we would have had to go through if we hadn't done that, created that space, moved everything before she was born. If we had been trying to do that, like while, you know, my scar is not even healed, it's just crazy. So I think the two lessons there are like the preparation, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to be a mom and a business owner, like you've got to plant some seeds and you've got to get prepared. And also the the trusting your intuition, because I had, you know, very well-meaning people who were parents and maybe that worked for them to keep their baby in their master for a year. And that's totally fine, but it wasn't working for us. Nobody was sleeping, you know, and I I just kind of had that intuition. Like, no, we should create a space for her. Like she's going to, she's going to need a space. She, and she deserves her own space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that trusting the intuition and I love the piece about preparation. I am not a preparer, but I think that shocks me. What? No. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a full on fly by the seat of your pants no. person. I'm very much a gut person. Like okay. I said to you, even like <laughs> this, this call, did I prepare for it? I thought through what I wanted to talk about. Are we talking about it? Nope. Am I okay with that? A hundred percent. And yeah. so I'll always have a loose preparation, but I always let intuition guide me in the moment. But in the kind of situation and scenario you're talking about, that's totally different. I think you have to have that in place. Like for me, let's say I was in your scenario, I would have to have that kind of preparation in place to really be able to do my best work in the moment Mm -hmm. or I would be freaking out about where do I go now? That's it. It's, um, and I was talking with some of my clients about this yesterday. It's, well, I was talking about the discipline of writing and like training yourself Mm -hmm. to write every day. So an exercise I gave them was just look at something random in your house Mm -hmm. and challenge yourself. What the next thing that I lay my eyes on, I'm going to create a sales message out of that, that thing. And I gave them some really hilarious examples. I just did a couple examples on the spot. And I said, the thing is, that is the consistency of the discipline that then allows you to have the creative freedom because you train yourself just in making yourself do that every day. You actually unlock a lot more freedom and creativity in your writing. So it's really ironic, but it's like that discipline that you have to hone the craft is actually what allows you to be more spontaneous and creative with your messages. I love what you just said so much. That's the audiogram right there. Because I think we get in those either or. Well, I'm just going to wing it. Okay, that's not what I'm doing. But then we've got over preparation and perfection. And let me, I've got to have it all. I, I don't think that's, I think they're both prisons that keep us from really doing our best work. But I love the D word. I love that word. Discipline. Let me put the framework in place. Let me put the whatever I need in place in order to do my best work. And I I think we miss that. I think we get in this either or thing. And I don't like either of those. 
Yeah, I I agree. They're both they're both discipline and discipline creates the freedom. And I know we talked a little bit before we hit record about teams and mm-hmm. really like setting, for example, a structure in your business and some processes is necessary. It doesn't matter. You could have the most A player team member, but if you have no training and no processes for them, they may be able to figure it out. They probably will if they're a super A player, but it's going to take five times as long. You know, so uh, one of my mentors says when you're hiring team, you know, you have to look at the people and the processes. So if there's a problem and it's crunchy and it's not working, it's like, is this a people problem or is this a process problem? Sometimes it's a both, you know, sometimes it's like this, we don't have a clear process and we have the wrong person in the wrong role. Maybe it's not the wrong person, but they're in the wrong role. And sometimes it's, you know, and I've had situations where actually like this thing is going really wonky. And so maybe it's a process problem. And I sit down and I have another team member, like look at the process with me. And we're like, no, this process is clear. So that's a person problem. That's a person who isn't willing to follow the process. So they have to, they have to leave. They got to get gone. Yeah. Um, but it's important to understand that even the best people without a solid process are probably going to flounder. I think both of those points are so key. And those are my, both my albatross. I am, so I may be a preparer actually, because I'm never going to show up without having thought about maybe even created an outline. I'm not just winging it, but processes blow my mind. Processes, I've convinced myself that I don't get them and I don't, and I don't work that way and I don't understand it. And so processes have been an albatross for me, but I will, and this may shock you, the hardest thing for me in running this business for many, many years now is managing a team. Oh, that doesn't shock Uh, me at all. It is by far the hardest piece of our business. If I could just show up, create content and deliver my coaching and my teaching, life would be blissful. The majority of my time is spent hiring and managing and motivating and uh, helping team members if they're stuck on a process. Like the majority of my time is spent cultivating that team. And as I've talked to, you know, I'm in a couple of masterminds with seven, eight, even some nine figure uh, owners. And that seems to be a common thread. Because we can control ourselves, right? Like, you know, it's almost like you just have to tap into the serenity prayer. Like, God, grant me the wisdom. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Some of the things I can't change, but to know the difference, like what can I do better? And, you know, so that doesn't shock me. I think team, I think those successful business owners I've talked with would almost all say team is the biggest challenge. Well, and maybe team 10 years ago may not have been as challenging, but I, I have those conversations too. I'll have those conversations with people at the, at the, the auto repair shop, or, you know, my car had to go into the shop. It's in there three weeks. Well, we can't hire anybody to look at it. We're living in a different world. 
of people working, but we're living in a different world, period, of how people communicate, of how uh, just everything. And I think that it is glaring. I see companies struggle with communication across generational lines. I see people struggling with, I don't understand their values. I see this everywhere. So I think it was probably hard enough, but would you agree that now in 2023, it's even harder? I do. And I've talked about this with um, actually a, a local business owner here. I'm in Mississippi and, you know, it's just, and so I don't want to, I don't want to like fall prey to a limiting belief, you know, to use that. Right. right. You know, but I think that it is important that we do look at the shifting culture. Yep. And I do think that, you know, so I'm 43 and I was probably the last generation that was sort of raised in a way where you be a good little worker bee and you you give your all. And, you know, I mean, I remember my first job and I was a double major with a 4-0. I was valedictorian of, of a very, you know, fancy high school. And still I got my my first job was like $7.12, I think, an hour. And I remember my mom saying like, you should be great. You know, I was like, I was like, oh man, I wish I want to make more. And she was like, you'd be grateful that you have that job. So that's the mentality that I was raised in. Like you, you start at the bottom and you work your way up and you be grateful every step of the way. And that's just Mm -hmm. not what, I mean, we had, we had a, an administrative assistant position open and someone wanted like 85,000 a year for that. Um, and I was just like, I mean, I made that as a lawyer after like seven years, <laughs> you know, right? and just that, okay, our, our, our expectations are just, you know, we're just not aligned. Right. So obviously that person was not the right fit for that role, but that sort of blew my mind that, you know, that was, that, that was that, that person's expectation that, you know, oh, I can responding to some emails, I should be paid, you know, 80 something thousand dollars when I have, you know, no knowledge of your company, haven't proven myself in any way. Um, So I do think there's just a different, there's a different level of expectation. And, and what I don't understand is people unwilling to take positions where they do need to demonstrate, you know, some skill level before advancing. I don't know where they go and how they how they make their money to live. <laughs> I haven't yeah. quite figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's all it's all changing and it's all mind bending to me. And it will continue to create a divide. I didn't have a cell phone until I was in my 30s or huh? 40s, even. They didn't exist. It's not because my mom told me no, they didn't exist, <laughs> you know. And now We've got people like me that are at the end of their time in company. We're working that way. They're close to retirement or they're they're getting there. They may fade off and uh, that work and fade into something new and different. Working with people who came out of the womb practically with a cell phone in their hand. And that is going to create communication divide. Just not because this one's good and this one's bad. Not for any other reason. It's just different. It's different. It's like when, yeah, because I didn't have a cell phone until college. And, you know, when I met my friends in high school for dinner, right? Like you were on time because if you weren't on time, 
then there was no way to get a hold of you and people would start to get worried and they might go to the payphone and use a quarter to call your parents. If you were 15 minutes late, like mm-hmm. it, something bad might've happened to you versus now it's like kind of common for people to just be 10, 15, 30 minutes late because they can text, oh, running late, no problem. Yes, yes. And again, that's just in many ways, it's almost like words, you know? Persuasive words, they can be used for really good purposes or they can be used for horrible manipulation. So something like a cell phone, it can be used for such amazing things, like the ability to communicate with people quickly, easily that, you know, live way far away from you to FaceTime with people that you couldn't see in person, like so many beautiful benefits can also be used um, for it can it can create problems and bad things where you're just kind of attached to it. So Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's, but, but I think to tie it back to, um, you know, the teams and the communication, I think what, what we're trying to do in my company is to just really get super clear on our vision and our values and, and look for people who can align with the vision and who also have those similar values to come in and truly be a part of, a a team, like a a cohesive unit so that we're all pulling in the same direction. And I think that is actually a positive shift in the work culture from kind of like the the olden days where, you know, it's just about like making money and and it kind of like, I don't really care what the employees about. Like when I was in practicing law, I didn't really feel like they cared so much what my values were. They just wanted me to make a lot of money for the firm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm trying to knock them. I'm grateful for my experience as an attorney, but I did feel that, you know, one of the higher ups in the firm one time was like, oh, you're in a powers, you're a great profit center for us. And I remember feeling like, ooh, like I'm a human being too. You know, I'm flattered that you're excited about the money that I bring in, but I want to be seen as, as a person, not just a profit center. Yeah. So I think that's a positive shift that people working now want that recognition of their like their humanity. And I do think there are still people who are willing and excited to contribute to a vision. But I think that's the thing that we as owners, business owners, have to really understand is that people are no longer willing to just, you know, like work their lives away just for a paycheck. Like they need to believe in what we're doing. Yeah. So good. So good. I think we could probably have a thousand conversations down, down everything that we touched on today, because I think we've just scratched the surface on some of these things, but so much understanding and wisdom that you have around these topics, Anna. I am so grateful that you came to share some of this with us. And we are def- I, I would love for you to come back and talk to I us more. To come back. Maybe you and, need to be a regular contributor. Hey, I would that would be a blast. <laughs> that would be a blast. But I mean I I appreciate you sharing, you know, saying that I brought some wisdom. I mean, I'm in the thick of it. Like I'm in the trenches, right? So I think we're just all learning as we go. And hopefully I have, you know, more wisdom than I had five years ago, you know, and hopefully next year I'll have developed that and honed that a little bit more. And my, my goal, my intention is that 
the bumps, I think there's going to be bumps at every level, but that as you grow as a leader, you are able to navigate them with more stability in who you are as a person. So like, even if the bumps are bigger, like you're more steady and more stable. And so you can roll with them even more gracefully. Yeah. So good. So good. And I think that's what it's about. I think that's what it's about is that being okay with there's going to be bumps in the road We're, you know, these are all learning opportunities for us. Yeah. Anna, where do we have people follow you on Instagram? Is that, yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. So the, the handle is at Sarah Anna Powers, and there's no H on the Sarah. So S-A-R-A-A-N-N-A-P-O-W-E-R-S. And then the website is sarahannapowers.com. So easy. we're going to put those, yeah, we'll put those links in the show notes. If you are interested in, I know we we didn't end up talking about a lot about copywriting and your, your methodology and all of that. I think we'll have you back right before your next launch. Okay. And we can we can talk more about specifics around that for any of you that are interested in becoming a clickworthy certified copywriter, start following Anna, follow her work, watch what she's doing. And we'll definitely have her back to talk more with us right before that launch in November, October. Oh, we're launching again in February. No, February. Okay. Uh, I knew. Yeah. But we have, if anyone is interested in just kind of learning more about the profession of copywriting and you should like words if you want to become a copywriter. Don't don't do this if you like don't enjoy writing. But if you like writing and you're interested in that career, we have a free guide. It's just called the guide to the business of copywriting. And that's at sarahannapowers.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. And that's, um, it's just like a 30 page kind of almost like an ebook that I've put together with some introductory content of like, what is a copywriter? How can you use your skills as a writer in this profession? What backgrounds make for great copywriters? What are some of the areas and niches that you can work in? So if anybody's seriously considering it, that's a helpful tool to go ahead and download. Okay, great. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tracy. I relish any opportunity to talk with you. I just think you are so wise and just so genuine. And that's, you know, it's just been a blessing to have known you for the last couple of years and to have gotten to work with you. So I'm very honored to have been on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you. We will. And I mean it, we're going to have you back. Awesome. I look forward to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you listeners for being here. I always value you as well. That's it for today. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.